Masechet Nedarim, Daf Nun Vav. We have three Mishnayot today about vows and categories regarding first houses, then then beds, and then cities. So the first Mishnah begins. Someone says that a house is forbidden to me is nevertheless permitted to enter into the upper story of the house. You have to imagine something like uh, maybe a two-family house uh, so that they are separate units or sometimes you see a, um, um, a, a store on the first floor and then a house on the second floor and there's a separate entrance. Uh, so you have to imagine the staircase would be on the outside. You don't have to enter into the ground floor to get to the second story. Uh, so it is one physical unit, but there is a separate entry to the upper ha- upper story. And upper story often would be where there might be a public space, a living room, uh, uh, or something that is separate from the living quarters that are on the ground floor. Okay, so therefore, if you say bayit, it's a bit ambiguous what the word bayit means. And the Bimeir says it refers only to the ground floor, and but as one is permitted to go to the uh, uh, pu- public space, that's in the second story. Chachamim disagree and they say bait means the entire structure, the ground floor and the second story. But everybody will agree that if someone says uh, the second story is prohibited to me, then they are uh, permitted to go into the house because separate, the second story by itself is certainly a separate entity. And it's not going to include the entire rest of the house. It's not going to include the ground floor. All right, that's the Mishnah. And we're going to ask a couple of questions about uh, some traditions and try to figure out who authored them. We would like them ideally to be according to everyone, not only to be Meir. So we say, Mantana babayit lerabot et babayit lerabot et This baraita is actually a midrash on Vaikra Yud Dalid in the context of Sara'at Habayit. Uh, Pasuk there says that when you come into the land of Canaan, uh, they give you for Achuzah's a possession, um, and uh, should um, uh, God give, put a sarat, a leprosy or a disease or mold in the house, and it says, and a house in the land that you will possess. This phrase is going to become important in a, uh, in a little bit. And it says that the Kohen will come to the house. The homeowner will tell the Kohen, I see something that looks like it's a plague on the house. And then the Kohen will inspect it and uh, decide whether it is Sarat or not. And if he decides that it is Sarah, then he will exit the house, go to, at, to the entrance, and he will close up everything inside and declare that it is Sarat. This is also going to be uh, important uh, in the continuation of the Gemara here. Uh, so the point is, uh, here it says, Babayit, uh, the, the word that doesn't say Bayit is an extra bet to include also the yatsiya, a gallery, maybe if there's a half story, like the stairs go up and then there's uh, some kind of balcony that is included, or also the upstairs, uh, that will, if uh, there is a, a plague or something there, that is also going to be called sarat habayit, that you can get sarat not only on the ground floor, also on the second floor. So we have to, we need the bet to include it. So who, that's the end of the Braita. Who is the author of this Braita based on the two opinions we see in the Mishnah?
אמר רב חיסטא דבי מאיר היא, דאי רבנן, אמרי רבנן עליה בכלל בבית, למה לי קרא בבית לריבויה? עכשיו רב חיסטא gives the first answer, he says, this baraita must be the opinion of רבי מאיר. Why? Because if it's רבנן, רבנן said that the word בית means also the aliyah. If someone says, I'm prohibited to go to the house, then he also cannot go to the upstairs. So therefore, according to Rabbanan, it's already included. You would not need an extra letter to come and say, oh, and also includes upstairs. It's already included in the word bayit. Therefore, this baraita must be Rabbi Meir, who says, in general, bayit means only the ground floor, and that would be true for vows. But when it comes to sarat, the Torah has to go out of its way and add an extra letter to say, oh, for Sadat, the second floor also will be prohibited. Okay, so therefore it's Rabbi Meir. But this is a problem because we don't want a Braita to be only the single opinion of Rabbi Meir. So Abaya comes to the rescue. Abaya Amar, Afilu Tema Rabanan, Baaya Kera, Desalkata Tech Amina, Bebet Eres, Achuzat Chem Ketiv. No, it could even be Rabanan. And I still need the Pasuk for Rabanan because I might have thought, since the Pasuk that we um, I showed you just now, says in the house of a of the land of your possession since it says the word house and right after that it says the word land i might have thought that for even though in general the word bait means the entire structure upstairs too but since here for Sarat it says a house of the land i might have thought that which is connect attached to the land meaning the ground floor literally ground floor, the floor on the ground, that was called bait for sarat, uh, whereas the second floor is not attached to the ground, and therefore, if I see some kind of mold on the second floor, that would not have a law of sarat. I might have thought that, and that's why, even for Rabbanan, I need bait to include also the second story. Okay, good. So now we were able to explain that tradition according to both opinions. Um, how, now we're going to test out yet another tradition. The following said was said by Rav Huna, the son of Chia, in the name of Ula. If someone sells to someone else, Bait uh, bebeti, uh, literally a house in my house. He writes a contract. He says, "I'm selling you a house in my house," and they agreed to it. And uh, the buyer didn't actually see what he's buying yet. Uh, so then he says, "Okay, they agreed to it." And then he comes and says, "Here's what I'm. Here's what I sold you. I sold you the second story." Uh, so that's Ula says, "Yes, that's what that that's what it means." Bait uh, bebeti means a house within a house, right? One domain within the larger structure. That's called a um, that is called the uh, the second floor is called a house within a house. Now that's the statement of Ula. Who's, who, whose opinion would this follow? What we see from here is that if you say this unusual phrase, then yes, that can mean the upper story. Um, uh, but if he just said, I'm selling you buy it, I'm selling you a house, then I cannot show you the second story and say, oh, here's what I meant to, uh, to sell you. So we see that the word bait does not include the second story, and that is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. 
so that's that's a, a challenge because then Ula was only following the Bimeir. That's a problem. So we answer my No, the word bait bebeti when it says uh, that he shows him aliyah. The word aliyah here does not in this context does not mean the upstairs, but rather aliyah in the sense of the best, the most outstanding. And so if I sell you the house of houses, I have to show you the best house, uh, either the best part of a house or maybe the best entire house if I own a lot of houses. Um, and so Aliyah here is not talking about upstairs, it's talking about the best. Me'ule, me'ula shebabatim. And therefore, this could be to be uh, could be chachamim as well. All right, and that brings us to the next mishnah. If I say um, the a, a a bed is forbidden to me, I'm still permitted to go lie down on a dargash. We're gonna spend uh, the whole suya explaining what is a dargash. It's some kind of a day bed or um, a, a mat. A stretcher, something like that. Chachamim omedim dargash bichlal mita. Chachamim say no, a dargash is included within a bed. It's a type of bed, and so if I say I'm not going to use a bed, I'm also not allowed to lie down on a dargash. But everybody would agree that dargash is a subset, and if I say I'm only not going to lie down on a dargash, I'm permitted to lie down on a regular bed. Good. My dargash. First opinion, Amar Ula, Arsa de Gada. Ula says this is a bed of good fortune, uh, meaning it's something that's there just for decorative purposes. Sometimes you go to a, someone's house, they have a living room and they have like a very fancy couch um, or a day bed, a couch without a back, and no one would ever actually sit on it because it's probably not so comfortable and it's too fancy to sit on. It's there just to show, hey, look, uh, look how wealthy I am, and this is uh, will bring good fortune or is a reflection of my good fortune that I have this nice uh, decorative day bed. All right, that's Ula's opinion. So the rabbis ask Ula uh, because we find in the Mishnah says uh, that when when uh, the community comes to uh, give consolation to a king, uh, a king is in, in mourning, then uh, it's not right for the king. He's a king. He shouldn't sit on the floor. So then, in that case, everybody uh, lies on the floor and he lies on the dargash. So that's the Mishnah. We're here we're going to ask the question. Does it make sense that all year round, no one sits on a dargash because they're just for decoration, not for actually lying on. But that day, when he's actually in mourning, then they're going to use it. This doesn't make sense that it's only for a decoration and you'd only use it when you're in mourning. It makes more sense that this is something that is some kind of bed that is used uh, during uh, in, in in regular times also, uh, so that's the challenge to Ula. But we answer it. It's similar to meat and wine because all year round, if you want to have meat and wine, you can. If not, if you're not in the mood, you don't have to have meat and wine. But uh, after uh, after a funeral, then we go and we make sure to give the person meat and wine so that they will feel comfort. And so yes, we go out of our way, even even though we don't do something. 
everything all year round. So yes, it's very possible that the dargash is this kind of a decorative ceremonial bed that you not you would not usually use. But on a, this special occasion, even though it's an occasion of mourning when we want to show this important person comfort, then they would use the dargash. So we answered the answered the challenge. Ula remains standing. So we're going to try again. This is what we wanted to actually challenge Ula with. says that usually when someone's in mourning, we, they would overturn all of their beds. Today we don't do that because our beds are not constructed the same way. So this custom has fallen out of use. Uh, but this baraita says not only the beds, but also, but so it says the beds that yes, you overturn, but dargash, you do not overturn it. You just uh, stand it up. You stand it upright, uh, like 180 degrees and not 300, uh, 90 degrees, not 180 degrees. But this is a problem because we have another Braita that says uh, when you're overturning, uh, one, one is overturning his bed, because he is in mourning, not only his bed that he actually sleeps on and uses would he overturn, but rather all the all the beds that are in the house he would also overturn. And so if you say a dargash is a day bed, well then that should be included within this category of a bed that is you can lie down on it, but you don't lie down on it. It's a kind of an extra it's like it's like a bed, an extra bed a bed in a guest room that you don't use also has to be overturned. And so this is a problem um, because here we have the word that says dargash is not overturned. It's just stood upright. But if a dargash is a bed, but one that you don't use, that's what Ula said, then really you should overturn it like other beds that um, can that you can lie down on, but you don't use. Uh, so therefore, it looks like a dargash cannot be, so, uh, since a dargash is different from a bed that you don't use, Ula is wrong. But we answer it, no, that's no problem. The dargash could be like a bed that's used for vessels. Uh, it's a storage bed. Uh, it's a bed, but you need some storage. So you leave, you put uh, uh, plates on it or clothes on it, and you use it just for storage. And the Benaita says that about a bed that you use for, for storing vessels that you do not have to overturn it. And so therefore, um, really we have three categories. The bed that you actually use all the time, Certainly, the mourner would have to overturn that bed. Um, then you have uh, beds that are uh, are just they're empty beds in an extra bedroom uh, that are that that the person doesn't use. Those also have to be overturned. That was the braita over here. But there's a third category of beds that not only are they not used for sleeping, they have become used for other things. So that you would not you would not sleep in it, even if uh, you know even if um, you had a guest or anything, because now you've designated this to, for another purpose, like for storage. A dargash is similar, even though dargash you're not using for storage, dargash is kind of set aside just for decorative purposes. And so therefore, it's not even considered a usable bed anymore, like a storage bed is not usable. And that's why you do not have to overturn the dargash, but just have to stand it upright. So uh, once again, we um, upheld the opinion of Ula.
uh, we're going to try again. Ela kasha. We really want to. We really want to reject Ula. Detanya Rabban Shimon ben Gamliel Omer Dargash Matir Karbitav Vehu Nofel Meelav Rashbag. And Halacha in the end is going to be like Rashbag. Uh, says that um, a mourner does not have to uh, overturn a dargash, but rather he can just loosen the loops, and then the in middle part will go will will just fall on its own. So it's kind of like a uh, a stretcher or or a, a, a mattress that's held together with uh, with um, ropes, um, something like this maybe a little bit like a hammock and so you don't have to overturn it you could just loosen and then it will fall down so then that's already closer to the ground and that is sufficient now if you're saying it's this fancy uh decorative bed does that have loops that doesn't have loops and so finally based on this we um, reject ula and we give a second definition of what is a darga dargash so a second definition is from Rabin, who came from Eretz Yisrael to Bavel, and he says that he asked one of the rabbis, this rabbi's name was Rav Tachlifa from the West, and this rabbi was always around the tanner's market. He hung around there. And so he knew that you know, tanners, they uh, would make leather and things that are made out of leather. And he asked him, what is a dargash? And the tanner said, it's a leather bed, which makes sense. The tanner uh, knows his trade and knows that this is a bed. Uh, so it'd be some kind of like a, a mat, a leather mat that was placed on a frame. And uh, that that is what a dargash is. Okay, so it's not a fancy bed. It's this kind of... Um, uh, is this kind of stretcher uh, mat, uh, leather type of bed? All right, so that's our second definition. Now we have a third one. Itmar ezu mitav ezu dargash. What is the difference between a bed and a dargash? Amar dargash oto migufo. A bed, when you uh, connect the ropes to it, you do it on top, meaning on top of the frame, you uh, tie the ropes, whereas a dargash, you loop the, um, the ropes through the bed frame, uh, so it goes right through. Uh, all right, so that's that's the difference between them. The challenge to the Birmiya's definition, that asks, when does wood first become susceptible to Tum'ah? The law is that something that's just raw material, not usable, is not susceptible to impurity at all. Even if a dead mouse would touch a branch, it would not become Tameh because it's not a usable vessel. Uh, once it becomes a usable vessel and is finished, then it's, uh, it's, it's possible, it's susceptible to becoming Tameh. So regarding wood, at what point do we say, okay, now it's finished, what is the finishing point? Well, if it's, a talk, if it's wood that, are, that is used to build a bed or a crib, it's when the wood is, uh, is sanded with skin of a fish. They didn't have sandpaper back then, so they would take a fish, maybe a fish with scales or a prickly, that has prickly skin, and they would use that to sand the wood and make it nice and smooth. Um, okay, 
So that's once the once the wood is smooth, that means that's done. It's prepared. It's ready for use, and it could be received tumah. That's the Mishnah. Here's the question. If you said, and that is what you said, that a bed is something that has the straps on top of it, then why would you have to sand it down with fish skin if you can't even see it? The idea is that if the loops are on top and the, 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 the support, then also the covering, maybe the covering made out of leather or whatever sheet or mat you're going to put on top, is going to cover the wood as well. And therefore, there would be no point in having to sand down and make the wood look nice. As opposed to a dargash, where because the loops are in the middle, so you can't, that, in, in that case, the mat would be just on the inside and it would be noticeable. Okay, so therefore, if it, if a if a match if a bed uh, definition of a bed is that the loops go all around and then it would be covered, then it wouldn't make sense that they would have to be sanded down, and therefore that definition of mita cannot be accurate. Uh, you know what? In fact, both of them, both a bed and a dargash, uh, the uh, the ropes are uh, go through the wood. And therefore, the mat does not go over the wood. So what's the difference? The difference is, uh, the, these uh, loops, if, uh, if it's a bed, then it would actually be like this, where the, the ropes go directly into the wood. And so there's no way to loosen them. Whereas a dargash does not look, doesn't look like either of these pictures, but rather has a loop, uh, through this, a self-standing self loop, and then attached to the loop, uh, further away, is the, uh, are, the, are the ropes that hold the rest of the bed. Because the loops are separate from the rest of the bed, the loops can be loosened, as Rashbag says, this is, all goes back to Rashbag's statement that you don't have to overturn the Dargash, you can just loosen the loops, because the loops are separate from the rest of the ropes, they can be loosened, and then it'll go uh, lower to the ground, and that's sufficient to show that the person is in mourning, and so that's the that's the final answer. Uh, one more halacha that if you have a bed that has posts that protrude, uh, here is a, um, uh, a an archaeological find of an actual bed going back to 300 BCE. Okay, this is even way before the Talmudic period, and this would be a very fancy bed. I imagine this would only be for someone very rich. Uh, but it is a good example of something that has posts, right? Uh, a post at the front, at the top, and the bottom. It could be a simpler one, kind of like a canopy bed, but the um, that has uh, two posts and, and, a, and a tent in the middle. So a po uh, any bed like this, if you turn it upside down, it's not it's not no good because it will still be higher off the ground, and so it's kind of it might be either impossible to to stand it upside down. It won't stay like that, or it'll be usable and high off the ground. So uh, the point of overturning the bed is for it to be low. Uh, and so therefore, if you have a bed like that, then uh, you should just stand it upright. Uh, in other words, just turn it 90 degrees so that it's not usable. And that's sufficient. You don't have to turn it over all the way. does follow that for a dargash, it's enough to loosen those loops. All right, and finally, last Mishnah: Someone says this city is prohibited to me. 
So for sure he can't go in actually into the city, into the walls um, of the city. Uh, but he is permitted to go to the uh, within the Tchum. The Tchum would be like for Tchum Shabbat, which is 2,000 Amot surrounding the city. He can enter into that area. But he cannot go into the Ibur. Ibur is 75 Amot, uh, right, uh, right outside the walls. That is considered part of the city. So, um, so from 75 Amot outside the wall, and inwards is prohibited, but from the 75 marker outwards, even though it's within Tchum, is permitted. Okay, so the city itself, the city doesn't mean only within the walls. That little outskirts, those are, that's connected with the city and considered part of it. But that is not true for houses. For a, for a house, it's actually from the door itself, the door stop and inward. Uh, you see, that might be different from the walls. A typical house might have a, a, big, a, a big threshold that's very deep. Maybe it's a few feet deep. Um, you know, you can go over like today. People have awnings or they have uh, structures like this so you can stand there when it's raining while you're opening the door. So we call this the doorway. Um, if you're within, if you're in this doorway, that's permitted. That's not considered in the house. Uh, only once you actually go to where the door is, if you'd open the door and there'd be a threshold there, that would be considered part of the house, even if one was not totally indoors yet. So for a, a home, or actually more lenient, that you can go even into the doorway as long as you don't go to the threshold. But for a city, uh, one is not permitted to come within 75 amot of the city. Good. What's a proof that the what the ibur that uh, um, the uh, outskirts of the city are considered part of the city? So when Yoshua came to came to Yericho, it says that he was in Yericho. Well, was he actually in within the walls of Yericho? He was not, right? He was on the outside. There's no way he could have gone inside the, the walls because the right right after that says Yericho was completely shut and he couldn't get in. And they had to go and march around and blow Shafarot to bring the walls down. So obviously he was not in the walls. So what does that mean that he was in Yericho? Obviously it means he was at the outskirts of the city, but you can still call that Yericho, even though he was not physically within the walls. Hold on. Maybe uh, that would include the 2,000. How do you know how, how close he was? How do you know he was within 75 amot of the walls of the city? Maybe he was within 2,000 amot, and that is also considered within the city. No, that can't be, because when we define the 2,000 amot for uh, cities, um, it says you should um, measure... 2,000 amot outside the city. So you see that Pasuk clearly says that the 2,000 is considered outside the city and the Pasuk in, 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 uh, regarding Yoshua considers the seven something. Uh, so we'll say the 75 amot is within. So that's how we learn that distinction. Now we're coming to the houses. If I say I'm not going to enter a house, I'm only prohibited from the threshold where the door is, but it would be permitted to go to the door, the rest of the doorway. 
אבל מן האגף ולחוס לא, right? From the threshold and outwards, where the doorway is, is permitted. מתיב רב מרי, we have a challenge to this. ויעשה כהן מן הבית, back to leprosy. Uh, of the home that says that the Kohen will leave the house, will go outside of the house, and only then declare that it's Tameh. It wouldn't be a good idea for the Kohen to declare that the, while he's inside the house, to declare the house Tameh, because then he's in the house. Uh, when, it's, uh, when it's Tameh, then he'll be Tameh. So he should leave the house first. Now, how far outside? Should he go back to his own home? And then when he's home, he said, oh, that house is Tameh. No, that's too far away. He should go to the entrance of the house. So he shouldn't go so far away. But if you say at the entrance of the house, maybe you mean that he can stay right uh, within the threshold and he can stay even where the doorway is, uh, where the door itself is, and stand there. No, he has to leave the house. He has to leave the house. The house entirety, entirely. It's not enough that he's not inside the intern, ins- the interior of the house. He can't even be in the uh, at the threshold. So, well, which one is it? Right? Is it he can't be far away, um, but he also can't be in the house. And that so, where can he be exactly? So here we'll define it exactly. He should stand at the side of the uh, of the um, lintel and declare it from there. It seems to mean that he should stand outside over here, right, where, kind of right in, in, right in front of the doorway, not within, not in the covered part, but stand in front in the outdoor area, but right in front, not go all the way home. So that would be lechatechila, that would be the best way to do it. So, Bediavad, how do we know that if he did go all the way home and he said and he made it tame over there? Or he stood under the, uh, the, the doorway here, just not, not where the door is, but in the covered part. Um, what if he did that? How do we know that Bedi Avad? It would still be valid that he make, he declare, when he declares it Tameh. Because it says, Viskir et habayit, so from anywhere. So uh, it would still be valid as long as he's not actually in the, the house. Uh, so this is a challenge because the de- definition in the Lecha case is that you should be outside of it completely and uh, uh, um, and not within the doorway. Uh, in other words, at a Lecha level, the with being within the doorway is considered like being in the house. And uh, this contradicts the Mishnah, where um, where the Mishnah said that um, being, if, if I say I'm not going to enter the house, I'm allowed to be at the in the doorway and the covered part of it. So that means the doorway is not part of the house. But when uh, we said lechatechila, the Kohen should not be there because that's too close. That's like being in the house. Okay, but the Avad, we say mikomakom, fine, it's all right. But lechatechila, we do not allow it. Uh, so that's the challenge, and the answer is uh, regarding sarat habayit, these extra words says min habayit. He should go from the house, meaning from the house totally. He should be clear 
clearly, clearly away from the house. And so this is not sufficient where it's a bit ambiguous, um, but rather he should stay outside in order to declare the house Tameh when he is outside of it. But in the normal language that people say, when you say, uh, you know, don't, don't, come, don't come into my house, what a person means and don't, is don't enter into the door into the door where the door is. But if someone just comes and stands here uh, for for a few minutes because he wants protection from the rain or whatever, then that's not considered going into the house. And so the language of for vows we follow the normal uh, usual language, and that's different from sarat where you have to be min habayit very far from the house. Baruch Adonai leolam. Amen. Amen.